sorry. Hi everyone and welcome again to Menopause, the good, the bad and the downright sweaty. I'm Diane Danzibrink and as ever I'm here with my lovely friend and co-host Sophie Claus. Hello. Hello again my lovely. So today we thought we would talk about the T word. Testosterone. Um, So the reason we thought we'd talk about testosterone today is because there has been a new report um, from a task force brought together by the IMS. So that's the International Menopause Society. So essentially, that's menopause experts from around the world all coming together to discuss a particular sort of element of menopause. And as some of you probably do know, and some maybe not, um, testosterone, despite the fact that women produce testosterone, um, it's not actually licensed for use in women. So the only products that we currently have um, are licensed only for use in men. Um, There is one product, there is one testosterone product which is um, an Australian product which women who see menopause specialists privately um, can have prescribed but it's currently not prescribable on the NHS so for the vast majority of us it's not available and it's quite common for women to ask for it and be told no yes it is and even so Um, As you and I have spoken about before, lovely, we are both in surgical menopause, um, have both had our ovaries removed, which is where we make the vast majority of our testosterone. Um, And so we don't really have any, (laughs) (laughs) unless we have it supplemented. So you and I are both using supplemental testosterone. So what product do you use and so I have, how much? I have a 50 milligram pellet inserted into my stomach mm-hmm. every six months. I'd previously used Is it milligram or microgram? Microgram. Yeah, it's not milligram. Microgram. <laughs> 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 um, I have that inserted into my stomach and prior to that I was taking Tostran. Yep, and, and that's in a pump, isn't yes. it? Yes, yeah. and that was, I was applying that every other day mm-hmm. on my stomach. Okay. Um, but I felt a huge benefit of taking testosterone. I'm mm-hmm. a huge advocate for it. Um, and I think that women should be allowed to have it. Yeah, it's not suitable for everybody. So for those of us who've had our ovaries removed, you know, it's um, it's really a must. Because we don't have any. Yeah, because very little, very little natural testosterone. Um, so, we, so for women in a surgical or a medical menopause, and particularly for those women in a premature menopause, really important that they're counselled about, you know, sort of the benefit of testosterone. And there are certain women in a natural menopause who find that even once they're on their oestrogen, on their oestrogen and progesterone, depending on what's right for, for them and their circumstances, um, that actually they're still struggling sometimes with libido. So we always, you know, sort of if you look at the media, the media always links testosterone with sex drive. Yes, 
it certainly is part of it, but it's not everything because testosterone does other things. Um, it helps with our mental clarity. It helps with our confidence, how we feel about ourselves. It also helps with our muscle health and many other things, it's complex. So I think, you know, you said it's really helped you. I use it as, I use the Tostrand gel. So do you rub that on your stomach? I rub that, I rub that on my thigh. Um, and for me, I use a pea-sized blob every day. So women use about a tenth of the amount of testosterone that a man uses. Um, but this report that's come out recently is really interesting because there's been a lot of discussion um, around testosterone. And essentially, the problem with it is, is that because there is no clear advice, um, so if you look at the NICE guidelines on menopause, the NICE guidelines say that if a, if a woman is using HRT, um, but she still is struggling, particularly this talks about with libido, then it may be that testosterone is appropriate. Mm -hmm. The problem is, is that because it's not licensed for women in the UK, if a woman goes to her GP and talks about it, and her GP looks it up, her GP will see that it's not licensed. Um, now, despite the fact that GPs prescribe drugs off license every day, there seems to be a real issue around testosterone. Um, so we could go into <laughs> all the reasons why that might be. Um, but essentially, if something flashes up on their screen to say that they're prescribing it off license and it's not licensed for women, and if they're of the opinion that testosterone is for men, then it's a problem. So then you get into a situation where women either have to go and see somebody privately to access something they should be able to access if it's appropriate for them mm -hmm. on the NHS, or they have to wait for a referral generally to a menopause specialist. And as you and I know, you know, those waiting lists are generally anything between three and six months. And there's also that other group of women that just think it's them and they'll just think that there's nothing that will help improve it mm -hmm. when they're having those conversations with their GP or talking about it that they may just feel that there's actually nothing available to them yeah because absolutely. it's not commonly for me when I um, went into surgical menopause and had the first conversation about testosterone I myself not being a, a brain box I guess I didn't realise that women produce testosterone mm. and I'm wondering how many other women out there kind of are of that opinion and when they do get kind of set, when someone says oh I take mm. testosterone they don't feel able to ask for it because they don't think that it's something they should have. And here we go with my broken record moment again because it's all about education. It's all about knowledge and a GP should be able to offer. But as women we should know. Mm. Somebody should teach, we should be taught. Yeah, because I definitely wasn't taught that, that, we, that we have testosterone too. It's basic physiology. You know, we should, we should get that information at some point because if we don't know we produce it, we can't make informed choices about whether we think we need it. Exactly. You see what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, so essentially what has happened is that this, the IMS, so that's the International Menopause Society, 
They have produced what they've called a global position statement, which sounds really grand, um, <laughs> on the use of testosterone. So it was published uh, it was published this month, I think it's published in September. Um, and basically, they all these menopause experts have debated this for years, and they have now confirmed that postmenopausal women um, who can benefit from testosterone should indeed have access to it. Um, so we're talking about people like the Royal College of GPs, the Royal College of Obstetricians and Gynecologists um, have all said that they welcome this, which is really positive because if you've got the Royal College of GPs welcoming the statement, hopefully that means that that information is going to filter down. However, the problem that we have with it is that even if that does filter down, we still have the issue around prescribing it. Um, and currently, you mentioned Tostran, you mentioned your um, implant, so yes. you have your implant. Um, they're very difficult to get. They've been discontinued, actually, yeah. I've been told, the yeah. testosterone implant. Um, so they've been very difficult to get and very much have only really been reserved for women in premature menopause, haven't mm -hmm. they? Um, so there is the gel, which is in a pump, um, and there's another gel which comes in tiny little sachets. So if you're a man, you would use one sachet of this a day. But if you're a woman, you're expected to split this tiny little sachet into 10 days worth. And how, it's how a real, well, it's a real faff because yeah. once you've opened the sachet, the end all gets gunky and dried up and you have to use it every day. And you wouldn't be getting an even amount and how, every day. Exactly that. So it's hopeless. Um, so we need to kind of be thinking about how it could be prescribed, but also the fact that unless the MHRA, so that's the Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency, which is part of the Department of Health, unless they actually approve it for use in women, you know, basically we're coming up against a barrier all the time. And for anybody who's thinking, well, this is outrageous. Why the hell can't we get it? And we're totally with you on that. Um, I just wanted to read you something that uh, Nick Panay, so anybody that's not heard of Nick, um, he is an eminent consultant gynecologist and one of not just the countries, but the world's leading menopause experts. Um, and there was an article in The Guardian about this recently. Um, was I right? Was it The Guardian or was it something else? Because if I get it wrong, no, it was, it was The Guardian. Um, and I just wanted to read you what he said, which was really a call to women. So Nick Panay, consultant gynecologist who was on the IMS panel, said the benefits of testosterone for women were clear. He advised that women contact the Department of Health, so that contact information is available easily if you Google it, obviously other search engines are available on the Parliament website. Um, so contact the Department of Health to get the hormone licensed in the UK. And his quote is, 
because they're much more likely to listen to women than to us, which is quite worrying coming from, you know, an eminent global expert. Absolutely. Um, So if you want to know what the MHRA had to say, um, a spokesperson for the Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency said, and I quote, the MHRA will evaluate any application submitted to it as part of the normal licensing procedures for medicinal products. All applications are evaluated on the evidence and data generated in support of the usage proposed for the medicinal product in the particular indication. Cracky, why use two words when you can use 20? Um, (laughs) The last line of the article says, the Department of Health declined to comment. Surprise, surprise. So ladies, get writing. <laughs> get I, I think com- everyone should. I yeah, think we should absolutely. speak to everyone, you know, any, everyone in menopause support on the Facebook yeah. group and I'll talk to people in menopause club and we should all just send letters saying, yeah. give us the choice. Absolutely. If, especially if you're experiencing a reduced libido and of what course, they should also do is make a women's specific testosterone of the yeah. right dosage yes yeah. so we we have as i said there is one um it's called androfem and it's a cream and as i say it's an australian product um but unfortunately at the moment it's only available if you go and see a private doctor or private menopause specialist and it's it's 80 pounds for a, it's not a tube, it's like a pump. It's 80 pounds. Now, you're not using masses, but it's still 80 quid. Maybe like three months worth or mm, think a bit longer. Possibly, but it's still 80 quid. It's an awful and lot of for an And for a vast majority of people, that's not a possibility. Whereas if a man has a loss of libido, he can just go and buy Viagra. Yes. Or he goes to the doctor and gets his testosterone. Gets his testosterone as well. And I just think there's so many options available to men. And mm. Whereas women, there does seem to be a, a much more, oh, they'll just grin and bear it attitude. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, sort of, I think, you know, as we've said before, um, a lot of that is kind of due to the weight of history um, and how women's health has been essentially brushed under the carpet, brushed aside, brushed any which way but looked at. Um, How it has been men who have medicalised women's health historically. So, you know, look at any Victorian history book and all the doctors were men. Um, You know, we didn't have any female doctors until the late 1880s. Um, and there was, I found such an interesting picture the other day. It was of um, Cambridge University. And when the government finally, it was in the late 1880s, that they passed law that women could study medicine at UK universities, there is the most fantastic black and white picture of literally hundreds of male medical students blocking the way into the university to stop female students going in and banners outside the university telling them to go back to the colleges within Cambridge which were for women and that basically they weren't welcome. That speaks volumes. And you think how long ago that isn't? 
that's less than 140 years ago. So if you look at it historically, and you look at, you know, kind of how women's health has been, you know, kind of decided upon by men, um, and for any man listening, I'm not criticizing you, um, because you're around now, and I'm sure are wonderful and supportive, but the weight of history tells us that women's health has been medicalized by men. It's been shaped by men, hasn't it? It, abs- it absolutely has been. And we are still living today with the effects of that because women's health conditions have not been, you know, sort of they've not been looked at the way that they the way that men's health conditions have been looked at. Um, you only have to look at heart health, women's heart health. Um, you know, sort of, it's not until quite recently in history that it was even identified that women who have heart conditions actually have different symptoms to men. Um, it wasn't until the 1970s that it was really flagged up that women were not included in medical research because, and I quote, our hormones mess things up. <gasps> so you know sort of there is there's such a long way to go and if we think about women's gynecological health and I know you and I you know sort of both interact with women who are trying to raise awareness in all sorts of other areas whether that's endometriosis PCOS PMDD exactly that Um, that's why we've got such a long way to go because for so long women's health issues were well it's all in her head yeah women were often sectioned years ago weren't they if they had pms or pmdd yeah postnatal depression yeah and we've still got so much more to understand Mm. there's still so much more research to be done um and that's not to negate men's health in any way shape or form men's health is important too but Women's health is not more important than men's health. Men's health is not more important than women's it health. There just seems to be a lot more more progress made in men's health. Because there's been an women. awful lot more study on men. Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> we need it, to make progress in women. It the totally makes sense. So we're, you know, kind of we're in this massive catch-up loop. Um, and I think, you know, sort of what we need to do is we need to certainly be focusing in on those areas that are costing women their health and well-being sometimes their careers sometimes their relationships Mm -hmm. Um, you know that's really where we should be focusing our efforts rather than looking back at what we didn't do we should be looking at what we should be doing I think looking forward and testosterone is one of those things (laughs) yes definitely (laughs) we should be making changes there and we need the MHRA and the Department of Health to step up um, and you know really move on with this and do something we need a petition oh another one another petition (laughs) (laughs) got the make menopause matter petition oh my goodness do a testosterone one. So if anyone listening would like to start one, Diane and I will fully support. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, so if um, you know, sort of, if this has kind of resonated with you, if you've thought, oh my goodness, I actually didn't know that, and that might be something that I might find useful for me, 
then you know sort of certainly as I say that IMS statement is out there now um, so go and have a chat with your doctor bring it to their attention and please please if you feel moved to do so write to the Department of Health and tell them why it's important for you and for the women that you know why this is an option. And as Diane said that testosterone isn't for everybody but if you are feeling a decline in your uh, lack of libido, low energy because it's definitely helped with my energy mm -hmm. testosterone, um, yep. really really bad brain fog that hasn't lifted with mm -hmm. HRT yep. and it's worth having that chat with your doctor. Definitely. If you'd like to contact us you can email us on hellomenopausepodcast at hotmail.com or you can visit Diane's website which is menopausesupport.co.uk or join Diane's Facebook page which is oh I had to think about it um, <laughs> <laughs> oh moment um, the menopause support network and you could well be if you do it in the next seven days or so the 10,000th member do it do it <laughs> <laughs> Sophie's had too much sugar <laughs> So thank you for listening. And we'll see you all soon. Take yep. care. Bye. Bye.